black and beautiful. Hello, this is Kelly. And this is Camille. And you are listening to Bold, Black, and Beautiful. We are back. (laughs) (laughs) We are back to finish up season one of Bold, Black, and Beautiful. And boy, has a lot gone down during this time that we took this hiatus. Girl. Basically, (laughs) (laughs) all the things in our lives. You know, and around the world, so many women, Black women and women of color have gone down in the last few months as well. So let's discuss. Yes, 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 Camille. All the things have been happening in our personal lives, but all the things have been happening in the world. So in this episode, we want to touch on some of those hot topics, especially as they connect to mental health and wellness, and of course, discuss why women of color are often targets of criticism and especially when it relates to, you know, taking care of our own mental health and our physical health. So let's get things started by introducing the black and brown queens. We are going to discuss today. So (laughs) So first we will have our word queens, Amanda Gorman and Talia Avant-Garde followed by our tennis queens, Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka. Yes. So first, we have our word queens, Amanda Gorman and Talia Avant-Garde. Amanda Gorman, in case you don't know, I don't know how, you're living under a rock, but in case (laughs) you don't know, is a 23 years young, is our first National Youth Poet Laureate, who hit the world stage on Inauguration Day when she basically overshadowed now President Biden with her spoken word magic, reciting her poem, The Hill We Climb. And what a beautiful performance that was. And the next word queen, we have Talia Avant-Garde, and I love her name so, so much. (laughs) And she is the first ever African-American Scripps National Spelling Bee winner in its 96-year history. Can we believe this? Can we believe this? Mm, She is making moves at the ripe age of 14. What were you doing at 14? Not that, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Hailing from New Orleans, New Orleans, and making history in the process. Yes. So now that Kelly and I have provided you with a little background, let's explore why these young women and their accomplishments are so great. Well, For one, they are role models in their young age, you know, 23 and 14. And they're role models to so many young girls of color. Um, They, you know, get up there and say, hey, I can do this. I can make history. I can overcome obstacles and I can be great no matter what. Um, For example, Amanda Gorman, she grew up with a speech impediment. You know, so that was the first way in her life in which she overcame, right? So, you know, that was typically Mm -hmm. slow so many people down, but she, in that moment, it's how, you know, she was destined to be great, right? (laughs) She said, you know, I'm going to overcome this speech impediment and I am going to speak what's on my heart. Yeah. When I heard that, I was just so blown away. I was just like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. 
you speak for a living <laughs> and you know, yes. you had this huge obstacle that you overcame in order to do that. Like that's just beyond amazing. Mm-hmm. So another thing that makes me proud of these young ladies is that areas in which they are making history, um, areas black people had to fight for centuries to be able to do, and that's to read and write. Seems like the simplest things in the world, but no, black folks had to fight to be able to read and write. The ability to achieve literary accomplishments since people of color, especially black people and as a result of slavery, you know, not to mention women did not always have access to education, let alone mm-hmm. were permitted to learn how to read and write as as a result of slavery and its legacy that still continues today where so many young people of color, you know, are illiterate. So right. to have these two young women out here dominating the English language and spoken word is a huge accomplishment and demonstration of greatness despite extraordinary obstacles absolutely with a capital extraordinary <laughs> mm-hmm. for something that you know hundreds of years ago they could have been killed for doing right yep. it's that dramatic it's that you know yeah. it's crazy they are their their ancestors the truly their ancestors wildest dreams incarnate yes. and it really is reminiscent you know there was that photo floating around the internet of the um class of doctors that were standing on a plantation taking their class photo. It was a class of all black um, doctors, wow. men and women, but they, mm-hmm. they took it um, on the steps of the slave quarters of that plantation. And I just like wow. <laughs> remember seeing that photo and I was just like, Oh my gosh, not only are we not that far removed from this history, but also just like, wow, their ancestors, their, their, their ancestors, wildest dreams incarnate. Right. So to do this at the age of 14 and 23, like, you know, can you only imagine what they're going to do the rest of their life? Yeah. <laughs> so excited to Amazing. see it. And I um, want to continue and I just want to read a little bit of a quote um, from the poem, the, the Hill We Climb, right? I, I saw the performance um, when it happened the day of, and I was just so blown away hearing it, but just really reading it, the words were able to sink in. So I'm going to read from two different sections. It says, we, the successors of a country in a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but does that mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect? We are striving to forge our union with purpose. Then it goes on. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true, that even as we grieved, we grew, that even as we hurt, we hoped, that even as we tired, we tried, that we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Mm. These words came out of a 20. <laughs> like, literally, my gosh, so moved, so moved yeah. by it. Beautiful, mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yeah, like, just when I hear this, like, how she kind of puts it together, like, mm-hmm. how, you know, she could dream to be president, but instead, right now, she's reciting for one. Like, that was just, I don't know. I remember hearing that when she was delivering the speech at the inauguration. I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, it just, it just was so well put. And I, I just love language and I love when things just tie together so nicely mm-hmm. and beautifully. 
Yeah, she's a wordsmith. You know, it's it's my favorite art form. I'm a songwriter, so I, I love to, I love yeah. to see it. Um, yes. But in particular, just saying the part where she's talking about uh, we are far from polished, far from pristine, right? To me, that seems like it's really just, you know, um, definition of what Black women have to go through, right? All of this criticism and just, you know, feeling like we have to be perfect and we can't seem to, you know, have any faults and things like that in the second that we do have them, right? <laughs> People are jumping down our throat with with criticism. Mm-hmm. So just admitting, say, hey, we're not polished and we're not pristine, but we sure as heck do have purpose, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're releasing that ability, that need to be pristine and perfect because we have purpose. But, you know, right. we're going to get into that later. <laughs> Some right. More. And it's, it's like, you know, women of color, especially Black women, are held to a different standard. Like, Absolutely. you know, we have to work twice as hard, three times as hard. You know, we have mm-hmm. to be perfect. We have to be well-mannered. We have to be well-spoken. You know, we have to be all of these perfect image of things but people who are not black women can do whatever you know mm-hmm. and, and have a subpar standard that they can meet and everything's fine but it's like when a black woman does something it's like oh my gosh look at this it's it's just like how the um obama girls were treated and constantly attacked and these were mm-hmm. girls they were children right and it was just unbelievable and they didn't do anything <laughs> like they were just they going were to living and the children of the the president like they were living so, their teenage lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And I rem- I'm just going to finish with this, but I remember when, you know, Bush number two <laughs> was leaving the White House, his daughters mm-hmm. who are twins, you know, and were like teenagers when they entered the White House, like 17 or 18, you know, they spoke with the Obama girls and were sharing different things of what it's like to be the children, you know, of the president. And I really thought that that was really amazing of them to do that and share because when they first entered the white house like i remember there being a lot of reports of them like drinking underage drinking and partying with their friends but that's what people do at that age but then i don't remember a lot else because social media also wasn't as prevalent then you know when Mm -hmm. their father was in office so it was like you know these girls were just constantly under fire on social media just just horrible nasty things being said about them and i'm just like how can you do this to children like this is Mm -hmm. insane but this is something that's a trend that's been constantly happening to women of color since slavery. Absolutely. Speaking of that, right. And those types of obstacles, we're going to um, keep it moving and just really talk about um, our second category uh, for today's episode, our tennis Queens. And Ooh. I think we know who we're talking about when we say tennis Queens, right? Serena yes. Williams and Naomi Osaka. Osaka. Yes. We love them. <laughs> So these two women are beyond phenomenal, and I really love how they're normalizing self-care and mental health in their field in a sport where they are constantly scrutinized for how they look, how they play, how they handle social media, and you know that, and especially in comparison with you know their white female counterparts. So talking about what we were talking about earlier, and let alone the white male counterparts. Preach, girl. I mean, it, it it's just crazy. You know, I'm a a huge tennis fan. I've been following mm. tennis since, you know, I was in probably like maybe middle school, but you know, it's, it's just, it's craziness. <laughs> but to just yeah. give you all a little more background on these phenomenal women, Serena Williams is the queen of tennis goat <laughs> <laughs> from 1999 
when she won her first Grand Slam at the age of 17. Fast forward to the present, where she now holds 23 total Grand Slams and only one more Grand Slam win away from breaking the record of most Grand Slam wins by a woman in the singles tournament. Mm -hmm. So Serena and her sister Venus Williams broke down many boundaries in women's tennis for women of color, paving the way for so many others like Sloane Stevens, Coco Mm -hmm. Goff, and even Naomi Osaka. Yes. And so speaking of Naomi Osaka, we have another amazing young lady who at the age of 23, there's that number again, has won (laughs) four Grand Slams thus far, but possibly more befitting of the times is making waves not only on the court, but off of the court with her social activism and putting her mental health and self-care first at this year's French Open. Um, she decided to opt out of the typically required post-match interview for all players. And she actually ended up um, withdrawing from the tournament altogether when she started to receive lots of negative critiques and backlash on her decision. And, you know, we saw in real time in the news that those critiques and all that criticism was um, relentless. Yes. So I'm just going to read a little quote that is directly from Naomi Osaka's Instagram page on her decision to withdraw from the tournament. So she said, Mm -hmm. Hey everyone, this isn't a situation I ever imagined or intended when I posted a few days ago. I think now the best thing for the tournament, the other players and my well being is that I withdraw so that everyone can get back to focusing on the tennis going on in Paris. I never want it to be a distraction and I accept that my timing was not ideal and my message could have been clearer. More importantly, I would never trivialize mental health or use the term lightly. The truth is that I have suffered long bouts of depression since Mm. the U.S. Open in 2018, and I have had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I'm introverted, and anyone that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones as that helps dull my social anxiety. Though the tennis press has always been kind to me, I am not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. So I'm just going to stop there. But um, but yeah, I mean, she's saying right there, like, you know, I'm not an extroverted person. I'm introverted. I get anxiety, you know, but they force all of the players immediately after their match, whether they win or lose, they have to go do these post-match interviews. And I mean, I agree with her. Like that's extremely stressful. And it's like, it's stressful to the winners and the people who don't win. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a lot on them. And Serena Williams has also faced a lot of issues with these post-match interviews. I know there was one that they cited, you know, where Serena was repeatedly asked after she, I think she lost in the finals. So the last round, Mm -hmm. she lost in the finals to Osaka and they kept pressing her on when she wanted to retire. Wow. I'm like, uh, this woman made it to the finals. Like, okay, she didn't win that final match, but she made it to multiple finals in the, in the couple of years that she's been back since she's had her daughter. And yet people are constantly asking her when she's going to retire. And I'm like, She's the most consistent player because the players that she's been playing against in the finals 
are always different people. So I'm like, yeah, she's not winning the final, but she's the most consistent of all of the people making the finals. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, why would you be badgering her on when she's going to retire? How about she let you know when she's ready to let you know? It seems like these interviews are like comparable to interrogation. And that seems to me like something that's anxiety inducing as well. But just even perceptions of like mental health as well as um, even just the idea of therapy in our country nowadays. It's still just so we've got such a long way to go. We have such a long way to go. And then, you know, because of that, um, Black women end up getting double backlash. Right. And the perceptions of therapy in the Black community as well. Um, so, and, and being able to take care of yourself, right. It's just now becoming popularized, but there still are people who are not there. They're like, you know, uh, earlier we were talking about the comment on one of her pages is just saying like, stop all the dramatics, basically stop being a crybaby and just play tennis. It's like, she's not a mm-hmm. robot. <laughs> she's a person with feelings and it's okay. You know, even as, as a performer, right. I get social anxiety and and had my rituals and things that I had to do before each show and performance. And I very rarely liked talking about shows and performances afterwards. I just wanted to like, you know, be to myself. Right. And that's completely understandable. And I feel like moving forward, there has to be that space to understand that the people that are entertaining you that are, are, you know, putting themselves under immense pressure, uh, strenuous, you know, workout regimens, all of that that their mental health has to be respected as well. Yeah. And one thing with the, with tennis that, you know, it's a sport, but if you're playing in a singles tournament, which is what she was doing, Mm -hmm. you're out there. It's just you on the court against the other person you're playing against. It's not like baseball or basketball or football where you have a team and you're all working together and coordinating everything. The pressure is all on you. And that's a lot, you know, and for her to be like 23 like- years old and like, you know, being able to face this and like handle it with so much grace and class, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like the M- Michelle Obama saying, when they go low, you go high. You like go that's high. <laughs> definitely what she is doing here. And I'm just so proud of Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also just wanted to share um, how at the U.S. Open last year following the George Floyd killing, because that's mm-hmm. what it was, he was killed, and all of the social activism last summer at last year's U.S. Open, which Naomi Osaka ended up winning, each match she came out on the court with a different mask with the name of a person, a Black person who had been killed by the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was like, like saying, basically, this is me paraphrasing, but she was basically saying how, you know, that made her even more motivated each time to win her match so that, you know, she could come out next time with another name on her mask. And she was like, it's ridiculous that there's so many names, like the names are almost limitless, like that she could have so many masks, you know, but mm-hmm. it, I thought that was very, very bold step, mm-hmm. you know, and athletes throughout our history, especially athletes of color, And Black athletes, you know, often make these, you know, social statements through their their sport and their platforms. So Mm -hmm. kudos to Naomi Osaka. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's getting back to that Amanda Gorman, you know, the quote in her poem is just like, you know, far from polished or far from pristine or perfect, right? We're human, but we do the things that we do with purpose. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, she really is. Um, the living, breathing embodiment of that. 
Absolutely. Very, very cool. Let's see. So let's, I guess, get to kind of some of our final thoughts, just summing up these amazing women. And then we can touch on, you know, what we're going to discuss in our next episode, where we're going to continue in this uh, theme of discussing some of our amazing, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, especially since July was, you know, BIPOC month, Mental Health Awareness Month, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and so much ish went down that month, like with attacks towards women of color, especially, you know, with the Olympics happening, um, which, you know, they probably should have waited another year on, but whatever, that's a different story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, during this month where so many women of color were just, just attacked by people for their decisions to put their mental health first. So absolutely. You know, I really think we need to continue to support and brace and raise up these amazing women of color, especially as being fellow women of color, because mm-hmm. they are so great and deserve all the applause, all the flowers. Yep. And they are not always going to get that from those who cannot relate to their or our experiences as women of color. Right, for sure. And, you know, speaking even further, what makes them great, right? What we were talking about is not being perfect at every moment of every day, but being in tune with themselves, embracing their differences and their abilities to know themselves, know their limits, and speak up on what's best for them, no matter what anyone else says or thinks, right? That is the theme (laughs) moving forward, okay? Um, We know ourselves best, and we must be confident and courageous enough to speak up for what we need to do and you know what's best for us and to need the need to know that what is best for us right yeah and it's it's just sad that we live in a world where we're so so often second guessed you know so, when we say hey i need this or i need to do this especially with our you know just our regular health let alone our mental yeah. health it's crazy how we are treated so we just have to continue to lift up amazing women like Naomi Osaka, Amanda Gorman, Serena Williams, and our little spelling bee queen, <laughs> Talia Avangard. Just and her just, name deserves you know, to be said with an echo. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. And just, you know, raise up that next generation of women because Serena Williams' daughter is going to be out there one day. You know, yeah. she's setting an example for her daughter, you know. Amanda Gorman and Naomi Osaka, they're in that next generation, both being 23 and going out here and killing it. And Mm -hmm. then we have little Talia at 14. We just got to continue to raise up these women, raise up these young women, and just constantly reinforce in our circles, like, you are great. You are amazing. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You know yourself best. Always remember that. Absolutely. So did you want to add anything else, Kelly? No, nothing to add. Just that <laughs> I've enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed, yes, you know, this is great. speaking on it. Yes. And I've missed our chats. So I'm so glad too. that we are back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to our first episode back from our hiatus. Yes. I really enjoyed this discussion, as you can see. And looking mm-hmm. at how amazing these women of color are, despite all odds and how These are our generations and the next generations and possibly the generation after that of role models and not just for the black and brown girls, but for all women from all backgrounds. We all deserve to have our needs, especially those surrounding mental health heard and embraced. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Camille. I could not have said that better myself. And in our next episode, we will look at more amazing BIPOC queens. So be sure to tune in and to see who we will shout out next time. Hint, they will include some of our 2020 Olympic queens. So guess away and tune in to see who we choose. So until then, stay safe, be you, and live life to the fullest. Bold, black, and beautiful. A culture and society podcast brought to you by Kelly Sloan and Camille Lucas.